Or Rosemary Downer, welcome to the Subtle Man Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for jumping on. Um, today we're going to be talking about your book, The High Call of Forgiveness. It's a mandate, and I think it's going to be a good chat. I think forgiveness is sometimes one of those hard things that, like, you know, you should, but like, really, you're like, you'd rather not. Um, but before we get started into the details of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why did you write this book? Okay. Um, so, as you see, I am Rosemary Downer. I live in Maryland, the USA. Right now, I am mentally in New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday morning yes. and enjoying the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I love him. Mm. I, I, I live to worship the Lord, so I've got to put that out there. I love the nice. Lord. Um, so my training is in developmental psychology. And I served as a university professor for 24 years, also as a researcher for the federal government here in the U.S. for 20 years. Prior to that, I ran daycare centers and inspected daycare centers as a developmental psychologist, things like that. Um, I retired in 2019, and now I am enjoying life, <laughs> writing nonfiction Christian books and doing conferences and workshops and podcasts like this. I have a podcast of my own where I bring on guests and teach from my books and also from the Word of God. So that's who I am. I love the Lord and I love people and I love to teach. I love to help people and I love the public speak. Nice. That's great. What was your, you said you're a university professor. What, what was your PhD or like what were you teaching over there? Um, my PhD is in developmental psychology. I taught um, intro to research, seminar in research, which is um, the preparation and the research uh, activities for folks doing their masters. I taught um, ooh, developmental psychology. I taught special education. Um, those are my human development. That was my not other very popular course. Nice. I think you also okay. asked why I wrote this book. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. So I wrote this book because of an experience I went through that was extremely painful. And I found myself, after going through that experience, journaling. I like to write. Right. Writing comes easy for me. Um, mm. I'm just finishing up a book. I'm like, oh my God, it's 314 pages. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's not fluff. Um, yep. it's, it's substance, right? So mm. I was journaling my experience and I realized, hmm, you're writing chapters. Um, so I started writing a book on forgiveness mm. and the Lord stopped me because when I was writing it at the time, I was not healed. So basically I was just, you know, healing my, going through the process of healing by venting on paper how I felt. <laughs> what right. I wrote wouldn't help somebody else because by retelling your story, you can't heal somebody else. Mm. And hurt people can't heal people. So. Um, the Lord stopped me and then a few years later, he led me back to pick it up, to write it. And I did. And I titled it, The High Call of Forgiveness is a Mandate. Because in my pain, I realized that it's something I had to do All right. to get back in place with him. And I also realized that this command is so high, so supreme, that it's not something we can do of our own. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. Um how do you think, so to jump into your book, how do you think this book helps readers to understand the power of forgiveness in their life? 
So this is a good time to ask the question because the book's been out since August 2022 and I've gotten tons of testimonies, tons of texts, mm. tons of emails um, about the book. Mm. Well, some things I hear is as I read the book, people start coming to my mind that I thought I had forgiven, that I right. had not forgiven. Right. Um, another is... The way you teach forgiveness God's way is not the way I understood forgiveness to be. That's right. True. Um, yes. And folks have said, you know, this is a book that I will read and I will go back to read again that I need to keep in my mind because instances of hurt and offense constantly comes up in people's lives. So it's a powerful tool for women's ministries, women's group, men as well, but we know women are wired so differently that a topic like this resonates with women so mm -hmm. well um, that women are saying, I need forgiveness for myself first, and then I can forgive someone else. And the book deals with that a little bit. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Forgive yourself so you can be free to forgive someone else. The testimonies are many. Um, right. That I'm you said people often think differently about forgiveness than before they before they read your book compared to afterwards. How would you define forgiveness, and how do you think, like, where do you think people go wrong when they think about forgiveness? One common one is if you hurt me, you need to apologize. Right. And when you apologize, I will forgive you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's 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 a good point. No, not according <laughs> to the word of God. Right. So Romans 8, 5, 8, I'm sorry, tells us mm. that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. We didn't even know we need a savior. Mm. But he made the down payment for our redemption so that when we are ready, we can make the withdrawal. So he mm. forgave us in the spirit realm before we even act, we even come to redemption. Yeah. Um. So... To, to want a forgiveness, uh, an apology from someone before you can forgive them, it, it, it's no longer a gift. That means they are buying back or they are earning forgiveness from you. And forgiveness is a gift wrapped up in the package of love. That's how I define forgiveness in, a, right. in simple terms. It's a gift wrapped up in a package of love. Paul, if, which is my brother's name, by the way, the, whom I love dearly. <laughs> nice. um, so, Paul, if I have a gift for you. Yeah. Do you need to ask for it? It's something I decide mm. to give for you. That's why it's called a gift. Right. So if, I, if you have to ask for it and do something to get it, it is no longer a gift. Forgiveness mm. is a gift. The Father has right. given us redemption. He has given us salvation. He has given us the access to him, come to his throne of grace. All of that are gifts that we never had to work for. I never even had to ask for. Right. That's one. Yeah, and so we think... When God forgave us before we sinned, but then we often think when people hurt us that we have to wait for them to mm -hmm. forgive them, which mm -hmm. in reality is backwards. Exactly. And here's the thing. If we were to wait for an apology, mm. many of us would be stuck <laughs> mm. for the rest of our lives. Because you and I know that many offenders will not even own up to the wrong that they've done, let alone apologize right yeah so another term i use for forgiveness is forgiveness is a prison built by the offended and the person that's behind bars is the offended the offender is free 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just built yourself a prison cell and put yourself in it, and it's called for unforgiveness. Right. Yeah, that's that's a powerful metaphor. Um, this kind of goes into my next question. Then I guess was I was going to ask: Are there any like common misconceptions about offense or forgiveness? So maybe one would be that we have to wait for people to forg- uh, to apologize before we forgive them. Is there any other like things that people often misunderstand about forgiveness or hurt that you see? This is the big one. This is a big mm-hmm. one. Um, another misconception is because I forgive you, I have to trust you. Mm. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. Wow. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. Right. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. Right. <laughs> so you've hurt me. And it was, I sent my 10 year old daughter to your house to pick something up and you sexually molested her. Mm. I forgive you, but I don't Mm. have to trust you. I can't send my daughter back over there because I don't know what you're going to do. I can't trust you like that. Right. But I've forgiven you. I'm not holding you hostage to what you've done. I'm not looking for retribution, but I can't trust you. Right. So forgiveness doesn't mean you trust. Mm. Ultimately, we want to trust again. But it's earned. Mm. And you can build up trust over decades. And once simple mistake that you commit in seconds make all of that crumble, then you have to rebuild it. Right. right? Yeah. And now that, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I just think, yeah, I totally would have thought this. Like, I would have thought that as well. Like, oh, okay, I forgive you. I have to trust you now. When in reality, that's probably not the same thing, right? Well, and it's. T- in some situations, I can trust you right away, but right. not in every situation. Right. Okay, that's a really good point. Um, I know you talk about in your book. Uh, oh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Is there any other There's misconceptions? One more. You see? Um, mm. I, there, I don't know about you in, in New Zealand, but uh, in, in my culture, there's an adage that says, once bitten, twice shy. Mm. Once bitten, twice shy. What does that, that mean? Means you, yeah, I'm a t- <laughs> <laughs> that means you do me wrong. And now my walls are up. I'm, I'm not just going to let you in. I, you know, the, the distrust and the apprehension, it's just super. super. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let you in my space again. And and you, I forgive you one time and don't do it again because I, I can't forgive you again. Mm. Because now you're taking advantage of me. That is not the teaching of the word. Right. This is why he said seven to seven, seven in a day. Because... No, no person in their right mind offend the same person 49 times in a day or 490 mm. times in a day. It's just not happening. Even a mentally ill person don't have the energy for that. Mm. So basically what he's saying is we don't keep tally. We don't mm. keep <laughs> record. Corinthians <laughs> 13. Love keeps no record. So mm. it's not a once bitten twice shot. It means I forgive you and I keep forgiving you and I keep forgiving you because I go to the Father, and He keeps forgiving me, and keeps forgiving me, and never turn me away. And I'm supposed to forgive my offenders as He forgives me. So that's mm. another. another this is so good. I thought I I thought I had forgiveness and stuff under control. Like, yeah, I know I know Get what it's about. Book. And then you're like, damn, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. And then yeah, okay, yeah, that's really good. Um, I know in the book you talk about like the strategies the devil uses that impacts us and our souls. Um, what what are those strategies and how can we like try to mitigate those in our lives? One, two things I talked about, I spent quite a bit of time on are um, 
character flaws and emotional wounds. It sounds like mm. you read the book. Did you read the book? I haven't read the book yet. I've done my research there. You're in it quite a bit. I've done my research. Oh, oh you did your research. Okay, yep. wonderful. <laughs> um, so two things I talked about. Character flaws and emotional wounds. Mm. Wow. Um, in, in D's and F's, I kind of touched on character flaws. I didn't stay there, but I called them... What did I call them? It's not blind spots. Let's just call them blind spots. Right. So character flaws are things about us that are not optimal, that are not healthy, that if they weren't there, we would be healthier. They're mm. not sin. They're usually not sin. Sometimes they are, but they're usually not sin. Um, and then you have emotional wounds. So I grew up in a, in a home where... My father wasn't there, and when he was there, he, he degraded me, told me I'm ugly, told me I'll never, whatever, ne never amount to anything. He verbally abused me and emotionally abused me. Mm. That's going to create emotional wounds in you. Right. Right? And growing up now, as a, as a woman, I have those emotional wounds. And I mm. might just gravitate to a man, a man in my life, a spouse who's going to perpetuate what my father has done because that's what I know. That's the hunger I have. That I'm looking for love, but love looks like that coming from a male. That's an emotional right. wound. Mm. And when we are that broken and that wounded, or let me flip back, flip back and forth between character flaw and emotional wounds. Character flaw could be a, a harmless one like procrastination. Right. I put things off, I never get things done on time, and so I rush to get things done and it's not done perfectly well. And your pastor does not like it. You're the sound guy, you're the media guy, and you're rushing in church at 10.55 when service starts at 11 o'clock, trying to slap things up together, get the slides up and whatever, and yep. now, you're likely to offend someone because of your character flaw. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that with, even with my emotional wound, because I'm so insecure, because I'm so hungry for love, I may be clinging to that man, or anything he says to me may hurt my feelings. It's gonna cause issues in the relationship, and I could easily offend someone because of my character flaw and because of my emotional wound. So those are just two of the things that I talked about. That you know, the scripture says offense must come, mm. and offense is a is a stumbling block. It's a hindrance. It's something mm. that gets in our way. That's what Matthew eighteen seven is talking about. And we are the ones that offend one another. A building that's erected on the street outside can't offend you. Your car can't offend you unless something's wrong with you. I mean, mm. some people's pet offend them, but I pity them. It's we offend one another, right? So we do it because we are flawed. We are all flawed. None of us is perfect. And it's our imperfections that make us likely to offend more than others or to be hurt more deeply than others. And when we're emotionally wounded, we find it extremely difficult to forgive because we hurt more deeply than the person who is emotionally healthy. Yeah, well, I, I totally see that. Well, do you have any like practical advice to someone who is emotionally wounded or has those scars from their childhood or anything? Like, how can they go about dealing with that in a better way? Or what, what's your advice to someone dealing with that? Yeah, I really, I really advise people to get to know themselves. Sometimes mm. we go through life without pausing, slowing down, do an assessment. Why do I snap about right. this, at this 
particular person so much? What it is what is it about this person that ticks me off so much? Mm. Another person could say the same thing to me and it doesn't trigger me like that. What is it? And so if you're operating that way, it's worth slowing down, do a, a personal introspection, assessment of who you are and how well does your conduct line up with the word of God. And that alone may not even be enough. You may need to sit down and talk with someone objective who mm. can give you some tools and some strategies to deal with your character flaw, to deal with your cynicism, criticism, down, downsizing people, if there's such a word, or degrading people. That's a character flaw. What is yeah. wrong with me why I always find fault with someone else or see it fitting to put them down? Yeah. It's worth looking into. So introspection, working on yourself, getting to know who you are, and periodically doing this. Um, and also talking to a more mature, godly person who can give you the tools to, to, to improve in these areas. Yeah. And of course the word of God, but he gave us to each other to help us. Yeah, for sure. I think talking, talking is power. Like even, you know, like just having like a real good chat with someone, like it can do so much good mm -hmm. for you. And obviously mm -hmm. the word of God, just yeah. along with that, like a hundred percent, but like just having a real good chat with someone can go a long way. Um, one point I noted down was I, I wanted to see if you could explain how offense is a direct attempt by Satan to block the answer of the powerful prayers that Jesus prayed for us in John 17. Could what you was your point? Me, yeah, for sure. Um, so I wrote down, explain how offense is a direct attempt by Satan to block the answer to the powerful prayer that Jesus prayed for us in John 17. That's a really good question. Mm. Um, I love that prayer. Um, Do you want to briefly okay. remind for those people? Yes. You don't need to it's recite the whole the, thing. What's the... Right, right. I'll just skim over it. It's mm. called the High Priestly Prayer. And this is mm. the prayer that Jesus prayed for us to be one. He loved his disciples so much. And he was about to leave. And he was praying for them that they would be one as he and his father are one. Right. And that they would be kept in the world as, you know, the father has kept him. So... G the, the devil heard that prayer. This is the way I put it. The devil heard that prayer. And right. he went on to say that they may be one so that the world may know that you have sent me. My God. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. So guess what? The world will not know Jesus as the Messiah if the church is not one. The devil right. heard it. Yeah. So he set out to cause division in the church. Mm. And anyone who's affiliated with church knows that very well. Yep. To cause division and offense in the church at all kinds of levels. The parents against the, the nursery worker. The mm. choir director against a choir member. A member of the church against the pastor. A deacon against a minister. A sister against another sister. All kinds of levels of offense to cause division. And when there's division, it weakens the body. It mm. mitigates the love of God in the body. So without the love of God, we are churchy but powerless. That's how he uses offense. He uses offense to cause division because he heard the prayer of Jesus Christ. Mm. To defy the, the prayers so we are not one. Oneness, unity conveys power, conveys effectiveness, conveys impact. 
And he knows that. He saw that when Jesus was here. How he was unified with the disciples. They were one unit. And how powerful they were. So that's how he uses offense against the prayer that Jesus prayed. Yeah, wow. That's a great point. What? A, okay, so say there's someone like in church who has a problem with the pastor or the choir director or whatever who disagrees on how they view the church or how they view Jesus or just theological whatever like they disagree with someone on some level how do you think you navigate that season like how because obviously you don't want to be coming to church every week being like oh this person like that's not a good mindset to be in when you go to church how do you how do you deal with that that's a um general question that one must be careful because every scenario is different right right so i'll give up a few approaches that one could take to that first of Correct. all it may require open-mindedness. Mm. It may require some learning. Mm. Perhaps you're in objection to the pastor's approach because you're unlearned. Mm. And if you're stuck to your position, it means the, the doors of your mind are closed and you'll never hear what the pastor is teaching and saying. So it mm. may require a bit of humility and be open to be taught. Um, it may require sitting down with your pastor in a mutual setting when you're not hyped by emotions mm. and talk this through and come to common you know common grounds even grounds the, the the resolution is never to have that wall between you and that person because you're worshiping together you're praying together and we need unity when we pray one with another when mm. two or three come together and agree so you're on level playing field you connect in the spirit so whatever we need to do to remove these things that is exactly what we need to do and the approach we take it's going to be different with every situation mm. every situation yeah for sure where my mind goes with that and it'll be interesting because i totally agree with what you're saying what i'd what i'd be interested to hear your opinion is what if you have been going to a church for a long time and you start to notice, for example, your pastor or someone in leadership who's ha maybe has a different perspective of you, and that's okay, you can talk about that. But what if they're like fundamentally not f like doing practices that don't line up with the Word of God or don't line up with the Bible? Obviously, that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. But like, what if there is stuff that you don't just disagree with, but you really believe are like fundamentally not in line with how God wants His church to be? Does that make sense? So, yes, it does. So it's ultimately important that we are under godly leadership. Mm. It's ultimately important that we are under teachings from the pure, unadulterated, unmitigated word of God. So mm. without even hesitating, if you are in a church that is not teaching the untainted word of God, get mm. out. <laughs> get right. out. And get in a place where the word of God is taught and the principles of the word are upheld from leadership on down. So if you know that's going on and you know it's really against what the father teaches, you don't need to be there because you're not there to change leadership. You're not you're there mm. to be fed and to feed. So if that's the way the house operates and you, you're not in, up, in charge of how the house operates, it may, it may mean you get out. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I think there's definitely a time and a place for like 
if you right. are in disagreement so on cool like talk about it but then mm-hmm. i assume there's also a point where you're like yeah this isn't working yep. like yep. i need to go this find is not it soothing my soul this is not what the word says and i'm looking to be fed by the word as spoken by the word and mm. time to go <laughs> okay it's <laughs> a great point rosemary i've learned so much in this episode i th- i think you've got some amazing points like i said before i'm like yeah i've got i've got um forgiveness like under control i know how to do it i've read my bible i know what i'm doing but uh you've brought up so many good points that like as we're just talking i'm like oh maybe i need to like look at that in my own life that's a great point um bef- before we wrap up do you want to do some rapid fire questions just for a little bit of fun sure nice um, obviously, okay, so you used to be a professor and you've got a PhD, so some people don't have a, an answer to this question really. Actually, most people do, but I think you'll have an interesting answer. What is your favorite book? And you can't say the Bible or a book in the Bible. Oh, you um, could, I guess. You could. My Atmosphere is Highest, written by Oswald Chambers. What was the title, sorry? My Atmosphere is Highest. It's a 365-day mm. devotional. If you have never read it, True. read it. Well, what's like what's like the brief synopsis of that? So, oh, that's it's it's what, what's it about? Three hundred and sixty-five days. It it looks at your relationship with the Lord, your walk with humility, with service, with relationship with others, a whole host of things, solely through the Word. And if anyone knows Oswald Chambers, you'll know how deep he is. And I'm not necessarily into depth, but this guy is dead and gone. But this guy. His his depth of the word and his 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 hunger for that authentic relationship with God comes through his writing. I read right. that book as a teenager, way 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 back, and I read it again. I read it like three or four times mm. through the year, and every single time I read it, it takes me to another level in my relationship with him. Nice, that sounds great. Um, I don't know how much of a podcast person you are, but do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to? No. No, fair enough. I feel like a lot less people are podcast people than I thought they would be. I'm like addicted. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I listen. Do, I do podcasts, but I, <laughs> um, I don't have a favorite. I'll skip around. But I don't oh, okay. Have a favorite. Nice. Um, if you could have a mentor, dead or alive, who's not God, because that's the obvious answer. Um, who do you think that would be in your life? Miles Monroe. True. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't think I've heard of him. It's... What? YouTube Miles Monroe. He died Monroe. several years ago. He's a powerful teacher. I've been to his conference mm. um, in in the Bahamas. True. But his ministry yeah. goes on, and they have a lot of his teachings on YouTube. You'll be hooked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. He's good. Miles Monroe. M Y L E S. I think it's M U N R O E or M O N R. No. Yeah. That's so good. Um. Well, Rosemary, I think you've provided so much value in this podcast um where can people learn more about you or where do you want to send people to learn more about you and your book okay perfect so instagram and facebook is books by rosemary also mm. books by rosemary downer i have two of them books by rosemary or books by rosemary downer um my website is booksbyrosemary.com email is info at booksbyrosemary.com but you you can get my email and my phone number phone number from my website which is booksbyrosemary.com so no. pretty much you put in books by rosemary and you'll find it find everything nice well i'll make sure to provide a link to that wherever we post this podcast but rosemary thank you so much for jumping on this episode honestly so practical so i'll edit this part out my i'm trying this new proper camera that's not a webcam and it cuts out after 30 minutes which is fun okay cool 
Well, Rosemary, thank you so much for jumping on this podcast. I think you've provided so much practical, so much actionable advice, and it's so obvious you know what you're talking about. Um, you've obviously lived this. You've learned so that you've gone in the weeds. You like you, this. You you have so much knowledge in this area, and I thank you for jumping on and providing the thank information with me. us. Yeah, no, thank you so much for jumping on. Yeah, I know you've got more books. I'm totally keen to talk about more books if you're keen. But yeah. thank you so much for jumping on. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Paul. Be blessed. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye.